Hello, thanks for tuning in to Learn, Grow, Succeed, the leadership podcast with me, Tom Hallett. This podcast is all about providing you with insights and tips to help you on your journey towards exceptional leadership. Hello and welcome back to the Learn, Grow, Succeed Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for for joining us as always. This is our our second one in a few days, Alex, so welcome back. I know, crazy. Um, It's nice to get on a roll though, get some rhythm going. So it's, uh, it's good to be here. Definitely. Apologies if you're listening and you get really frustrated with the inconsistency of our uh, podcast posting. It's, uh, yeah, not not been ideal. We're going to try and get back on it. Hence, we're going to have two rapid fire podcasts coming out. So um, if you're new to the Learn, Go, Succeed podcast, thank you so much for joining. If you're an avid listener and have been for for a while now then thank you again for for tuning in and uh, if you've come back then i hope that means we're, we're adding some sort of entertainment or value into your lives so thank you so much for being part of it and today we're actually picking up on a, a topic that we podded about only a few weeks ago um the topic being vulnerable leadership but it's something that we got some great feedback on um was was featuring really highly through uh, online you know when we talk looking at subjects for this podcast we always look at what's trending and um our posts on vulnerable leadership were were getting a lot of views so we thought we'll build on it um and clearly arlo alex's dog is excited by that topic as well because you can hear him in the background i was hoping he was too far away sorry (laughs) i'm gonna shut my door so today's podcast is about addressing your fears on vulnerable leadership because We've talked uh, quite a long time ago about how to be more vulnerable in your leadership. Last uh, podcast and blog was talking about, you know, the reasons to, to um, build more vulnerable leadership into your leadership style. Um, and today is about addressing the, the reasons why you might be holding back if you are holding back for, from that kind of style. Right, Alex. So let's get into it. So there's four four reasons that you've pulled out as to why someone might be a little bit fearful of being more vulnerable uh, with those around them. Uh, and let's explore those in a bit more. Obviously, this is not a exhaustive list. I'm sure there's other things, but these are the ones that we thought uh, that would be the first into people's minds. Mm. And the first one, that's pretty big hitter straight off the bat, is if you're more vulnerable, you won't be fit, won't be seen or won't be viewed as a leader. Yeah. And you're right. It is a big one because again, one of the biggest fears, especially for those people that are mainly a bit more old school, a bit more, no, I'll hide my emotions because they're not going to benefit anyone. Um, and they have this kind of work persona rather than just being themselves. Um, I think as soon as they maybe crack or they'll see it as they're cracking, that that's then cracks in their leadership ability and actually it isn't a positive. I think for some people um, it's hard to see vulnerability as a muscle because it is mainly people think of it as a, as a lack of, if you're showing vulnerability, you're lacking muscle. Um, whereas in reality, it's, it's a strength. So I think for, for this, I, I just, it's a simple question. What, what do you think of the attributes of a great leader? If your answers are mainly ones to do with, like we said before strength and maybe things that 
like like I think you said a couple of great words earlier, like unflappable, stoic, strength. They're they're very much um, you know, maybe more old fashioned terms. Whereas if you came up with words like open and honest and and dynamic and stuff, that's that's a more um representative of a modern day leadership style, which which is really where vulnerability comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great uh exercise that you've suggested people run through here and it is to you know to look at people in society and in leadership positions that that you look up to and and do think about the more vulnerable elements of their leadership characteristics because you know you think about you know you could go stereotypical leaders that people will pull out you know like I don't know a Nelson Mandela or someone like that you know if you think about it he was an incredibly vulnerable leader because he talked about his suffering and and all that and and actually it was the emotion and the openness and the honesty that he brought into his leadership position which is why he's held up as one of the greatest leaders of all time um but you you know if you don't think it through you might think well no he was actually was he this stoic leader because he could go through decades in prison and come out of it unscathed well no that wasn't the point the point was he came out of it stronger and shared those that process of, of how we went through it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good good exercise to pick people and think about those aspects that you may not think straight straight away. No, I could. I honestly, I couldn't think of a better example than that. <laughs> so, yeah, like you say, you know, not hiding the struggles, the weaknesses that you've had, and then using them as a as a strength because that's exactly what we're talking about. And yeah, Man- Mandela is a is a good way to look at that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, go and do that after you've listened to our us blabbering on for 20 minutes. Go and write down <laughs> a few people that you look up to and think about those elements of, of what made make them so special in leadership positions. And I bet you some of those will be to do with vulnerable leadership. Okay, so the second reason is that if you're being a lot more open and, and sharing more with people... Uh, you know, that could lead to you getting a bit more emotional. Top tip for podcasting is uh, put your uh, teams on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> um... Right, we're on, we are on Do Not Disturb. So, yes, Alex, we're, we could get emotional. By sharing more, you, you inevitably open up, and that can open a can of worms of your emotions. Um, but I yeah. guess... My first thought on this is, is that a bad thing? Well, and I suppose here again, we're challenging beliefs and we're challenging maybe things that are relatively established in in workplaces and have been for some time. But I think that's the key. They have been for some time and maybe now they're a bit outdated. Because I think as as maybe people know from their own workplaces or experience they've had, that the more emotional you become at work, there seems to be a correlation between that and being unprofessional. you know, and that, that again doesn't seem healthy. It doesn't seem representative of a of a of a workplace that's particularly a, a good one to be in. So I think you know everyone likes working in workplaces that are positive, that have great energy. And I think in order to deal with them, and in order to keep that, sorry, you have to deal with emotion rather than keep them in and stifle them and sweep them under the carpet. I think for for a good, healthy workplace to be maintained, I think it's good to be able to show emotion as long as it's not 
too disruptive to what your end goal is and what you're trying to achieve and what others are trying to achieve. It's good to get it out there and to then be able to sort it in a, in a, in a reasonable way rather than just letting it bubble until it blows above the surface. Yeah. I think you've got, and there's some amazing points there. Cause yes, I think, you know, about don't let it bubble below the surface until it explodes is you need to, to, if there is emotion there, it does need to come out. And this is not just professional life. This is life in general. And more now than ever following pandemics and things is people do need to talk about how they feel with each other. But then I think, as you're saying, this is kind of this is not a one size fits all. This is not that we're going. We're saying everybody should go into their next one to one and try and try and get themselves to cry or, or however the emotion is going to come out. The point here is, don't be scared of it. Do think about the time and the place. You know, you, you can manage your emotions, and if you're doing a PDR and looking at your targets for the next year that's probably not the time you want to be sharing intimate personal details that that draw out emotions in you because you want to stay kind of a bit more factual and on on task but then a one to one where you are literally catching up with a, a colleague or a, or hopefully a, a friend at the same time is there's nothing wrong with that and what a better way to build uh, relationships with people you know, people remember emotions. You don't remember facts. You remember the emotions that that then bring those facts back up. So actually, I think there's probably few few ways to to grow more mentally than to let them out at the yeah. right time and place. And I, I think you're right, and especially in terms of the relationships you can build. I mean, the bonds between you and your team become much deeper. And I think then people care a lot more. And I mean, as a leader, that's exactly what you want, right? Yeah. So it, to me sounds like a no-brainer because um, again the things that it could add to to your leadership abilities and and the 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 bonds within your team is just it outweighs any cons I could see yeah definitely and, and I guess this linked really nicely into the next point which is um sort of a, a fear that if you are a more reserved stoic leader and you want to embrace some vulnerability vulnerable um, aspects into your leadership style is that that might come across as inconsistent or maybe even insincere because you've not done it up until now so if you suddenly start doing it that's going to look weird like suddenly you've you've uh, developed a new personality um but surely embrace it if not if not now then when i guess is my first thought on this one yeah and i i Again, I might be generalizing here, but I, I assume that if you're one of these people that tries to keep your personality out of your work, then there's already probably some level of disconnect yeah. um, on a personal level between yourself and your team because they don't know you. <laughs> they know they know you, the leader, the yeah. boss or whatever, but they don't know you as a person. And you know, I think people, rather than being put off by you bringing some personality into work and being being real with people, that, that I, why would that be a bad thing? That's only ever going to make them, especially if they already not 100% sure who you are or, or what makes you tick and, and what else you have going on beyond work. That, that's such a nice insight to have for people. And especially when they've probably been questioning it for a while. You know, as I say, they know, they know your leadership style. They know what you're like between nine to five. But then having that insight could be so powerful. Um, and again, we're not saying, you know, going in, letting it all hang out 
that's that's the worst expression on earth i wrote it in the blog as well and i thought i couldn't think of anything better than that and it sounds so gross um but yeah you don't need to go to the extreme that's probably a better way of putting it um but you know don't be don't be afraid of being authentic with people and and going in without some type of work disguise well and that's the key word isn't it it's about being authentic what again what we're not saying here is to try and force anything here the whole premise of vulnerable leadership is to be honest with people and to share what you're thinking so then you can't have an incongruity because actually all we're saying is tell people more about what you're already thinking this is not about thinking something different if that makes sense yeah and um we've i think we've all been in those situations where some people have gone in way too quick so you might have just met someone and they begin telling you very intimate details about their life and that can be quite awkward um, especially when, for instance, you don't even know their name. Um, however, you know, in this in this instance, I think, you know, you're, you're letting people in. You, obviously, you don't need to tell them everything, but you're letting them in to, so that they could know you a bit better. And as we've already said about the bonds that you can build from that, they're, they're massively important. Yeah, and I, I'm, I think something that I probably consciously do more, because again, I probably put myself at this, you know, on the sliding scale, I'm someone who probably is, slightly reluctant to to share but you know i get to a point where what's also okay is to not share more than you want to and just tell people that like you can mm. get to the point where you say you know i'm i'm feeling in such and such a way because of such and such but i don't really want to talk about it or i don't want to go into details with you and and people will respect that and the fact that they understand there's something there is the key bit to what they need to to help uh support you i think rather than having to go into details if that's what you the, the line that you choose to draw yeah and sorry i'm putting my marketing head on here um because if we're talking about personal brands which seems to be a huge buzzword right now i feel like everyone's trying to establish a personal brand which is good um but it seems like everyone's talking about it um so excuse me for talking about it here as well um, but it seems as though obviously people are trying to build a personal brand and what's one of the greatest things you can have as a brand, it's a story, right? You know, a story that people can relate to and a story that people feel connected to, which then they tie to you as the brand. And if you're a personal brand and people don't know your story and people don't know why you, you're, you are where you are, you know, and how you are and things like that, then that's why they'll be feeling disconnected. So as, as yourself, as a brand, if you looked at yourself as a personal brand, what's your story? It's important for people to know that because then, yeah, they can connect to you much easier. Yeah, definitely. And being honest, can't be inconsistent, can it? Unless you are really slightly split in your thinking. In your <laughs> Okay, so the last one, um, and again, I think this is one that resonates with me, is... Uh, the fact that the more vulnerable you become at work, it, it can blur the line between work and home. You know, I'm someone who who does like quite a separation between work and home and <laughs> very difficult because I work in a company with some family members. Um, <laughs> but it, again, they're, they're, it, they, we're not saying there can't be lines here, are we? We're just saying some of the lines, like you choose where you blur the lines and where you don't. Yeah. And, and uh, you're right. I think these two things should be separate. I think the, the problem is, is when people were so petrified of like contaminating one into the other, um, that it then causes problems. 
you know, obviously you should have a distinction between your home life and your work life, but then you shouldn't fear any time that they cross over. Yeah. It's just obviously when they cross over too much that you have a problem. I think that, you know, one relatable example that we can all think about is at the start of lockdown, we're all at home and we could all kind of get that glimpse into each other's home lives for a little bit. And I feel like we all opened up a little bit more to talk about things that were happening because it was happening to all of us and we could mm. all kind of discuss it, relate to it and and say our feelings, which I think made us all feel a bit better. And, um, you know, I feel like there was a point there where people were thinking, especially after they finished work, where they were like, I still feel like I'm at work because, you know, my home and work life are very similar now. There's not too much different. I mean, geographically and probably emotionally in some aspects. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the key is, you know, obviously, if you contaminate them both completely, then it becomes a recipe for something that isn't very nice. However, if you're not worried about sprinkling a bit of it here and there and, you know, not worrying when it gets a bit um, crossed over into the other and telling people about what's going on at home. And like I say, not every intimate detail, but sometimes it's nice to share, isn't it? And, you know, especially when it's with people that you care about and that you see every day and that you've built bonds with, it then becomes much easier to do that also. Um, but then I suppose it's much easier than doing the thing that we've spoken about, which is go into work and to put on another persona and to be, you know, your work self rather than yourself. Um, because that, I mean, I've never done it, but I imagine it's extremely exhausting, right? Yeah. I've never done it either, but I also feel like you can tell people that do and it's quite annoying. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the people that switch and they put on their, their work voice or something. Yeah. Um, well, it's exactly that. It's like a telephone voice, isn't it? People are like, oh, you sound really different on the phone. It's like, yeah, when, they, when they're at work, their personality just evaporates and suddenly they're this, they're this work machine and, you know, they, they dilute everything. But I just think that, again, that must be so hard to filter yourself every single time. Like you must finish the day and be absolutely shattered, surely. And look, again, I think there's times and places. And again, this is about a conscious thought process, which says, you know, do I want to share? Should I share? And there are probably times where they're not the same. You know, sometimes you should share personal uh, things to work if they're impacting your work life. Sometimes you might just want to share because it is building closer bonds with people. Mm. Um, but it's also, yeah, choosing that locate that time and place. Because again, you're in a board meeting. You don't then suddenly want to go on about your trials and tribulations of what's going on at nursery for your children because it's not appropriate but chatting with one of your colleagues that's in that board meeting afterwards is is a great insight into your life and then they can understand that you do have stresses because if your children are not settled in nursery you know, there are a few things in life which will unsettle you settle you more so you know there, there's times and places for these things and and lines that you need to pick and choose where you, where you draw them yeah, I think the truth is, if um, sorry, this sentence is going to come out a bit Downton Abbey. If I uh, if I went into every nuance of every bit of social etiquette, and you know all the all the kind of things that are inappropriate and appropriate, this blog would have been incredibly long. So you're right. I think it's um, it's one of them where you have to use your own sense and you have to kind of feel the vibe, and and know what's right and what's wrong a little bit. Um, like, like you say, Tom, you know, sometimes it's good to share things. Obviously, sometimes it might not be the place, might not be the time, or, you know, you might just not need to share that much. You can still share, you know, and people might ask and then you can tell it's, it's, it's one of them where I think, yeah, common sense, um, but also as well, just knowing, knowing the time, knowing the atmosphere and, and just letting it come out as it comes out really. Yeah. And, you know, a little thought process that I genuinely had in the last week or so was, 
around how the team we have at XL now, I'm I'm probably know them and are closer to them than any team I've been part of before. And I I think we're closer because of everything that we've gone through through the pandemics and um we put a lot of effort into to getting to know each other and and I love it. And and if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have said I don't really want to be good friends with people I work with because I like the separation. Whereas now I still have separation. I don't see you every weekend, but I do sometimes see you on a weekend. You don't need to sound so pleased about that. Yeah, and that's, but I think, you know, like, and you'll feel that in work, you know, we'll work better together. I I like to think you can hear in this podcast that we we genuinely like chatting with each other, probably (laughs) when it goes on for too long, but um, in a work context, as well as the 20 minutes of conversation we had before we press record all about, completely unwork related stuff <laughs> and inevitably i think drives performance and and growth in teams and companies and and whatever well yeah because we're starting on much stronger foundations aren't we yeah. you know if you go into a meeting and, and like you say you've kept people at arm's length then the rapport isn't there the connection isn't there and sometimes that makes it a bit more difficult to collaborate and work together whereas i think when you come into work and you you genuinely enjoy the company of the people you're in and, and you feel like you feel you feel part of them. You feel part of the team. It's 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 a much better place to start from, in my opinion. So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, awesome. Well, I hope if you're listening, there's that we've touched touched on a point or two that resonates with you and have, have given you a few reasons why you should maybe challenge that that thought process. And because the four topics we've covered, I won't be viewed as a leader. I could get emotional. I might be seen as inconsistent, and that it might blur the lines between work and home are all incredibly valid points and they're all points you should think about, but they're all things that if you, if you think them through and find out where the line should be are are things that will actually benefit you as a leader, your teams as a, as a group and in your lives in general, I think. So please do embrace a little bit of vulnerability. Absolutely. And actually, just a, an additional thing. Um, sorry, you might be looking at the time and thinking, when will this end? Hopefully not, because hopefully you're enjoying it. But um, <laughs> I was just going to add, there is also a download on the website, recently added, actually, um, which is why, Tom, maybe you didn't even know about this, um, fresh off the press. But it's a, a vulnerable leadership checklist. Um, again, not a, I have to do these things. Look at it as like a challenge. Um, we just added some things on there that are just little bits that you could add into into your leadership style bit by bit to to bring some more vulnerability into it. And actually, like you just said there, see the benefits both at work and at home. So it's a, it's a little activity, bit of fun, little experiment, if you will, um, to see the other side if you haven't already. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining the Learn, Grow, Succeed podcast again. And we will speak to you again in a week or two.